All right, good morning. Let's stand. We're going to sing The Way of the Cross Leads Home. The Way of the Cross Leads Home. And then we'll take up the morning offering. Three verses. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I must live inside of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life, where the soul is at home with God, the way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home, it is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home, did I bid farewell to in it nevermore for my Lord says come and I seek my home where he waits at the open door the way of the cross leads home the way of the cross leads home it is sweet to know as I onward go the way of the cross leads home we struggled through that, but I think we got the message, the way of the cross leads home. If we get a couple of our men to come forward, we'll uh, receive the morning offering or tithes and offering. Good to be in the Lord's house today. Starting our fall revival this morning. Looking forward to it. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Tebow, would you word our prayer, please? Yes, amen.
All righty, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Good morning, folks. Welcome to the last lesson in this program here today. We've lost the race, incidentally. The uh, Ken Brinson and, and uh, Pastor and I were kind of figuring out who was going to be first to get this done. And uh, <clears throat> had I not had to have Tim teach for me a couple of times here, we'd still be back about three lessons, I think. <laughs> anyway, Ken Brinson got done with his last week, and he is starting a, um, his new class up today. So uh, Pastor kind of said, today, Jeff, we probably ought to have this done, whether we get it done really or not. And so <clears throat> he says, if I, if I run out of time where I'm out on the thing, I'm just going to hand out the thing and tell them to fill in their own stinking blanks on their own. And I thought, that's not very sporting. I think if you're teaching the class, you ought to go through and teach the class and, and what have you. But um, I am long-winded and slow, and so here we are. We have a lot to cover here today. And uh, so we're going to get started up here in just a, just a minute. I wondered, again, if there's any questions, comments, concerns, anybody need to talk to any, you know, about anything that we've said up to this point. And then, uh, you're not allowed to ask questions, young lady. You're my wife. You can ask questions later today. No, I'm just kidding. What do, what do you need? I was just wondering what blank we're going to start on. What blank we're going to start on. Okay, it's always a smart aleck in the, in the crowd, right? We're going to be on the judgment of the Old Testament saints. That's where we're starting. So the first blank that you'll have there is Old Testament saints. And uh, what's that? That could, yep, in your, in your, uh, again, I'm just totally confounded by the way the pages on these things are all fouled up. But anyway, it's the judgment of Old Testament saints and where this is going to start is this is a judgment similar to the Bema Seat of Christ, if you have that on your outline, and that's where you should, that's where you should be at there. So um, <clears throat> anyway, before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the time that you've set aside here this morning. We think again about Israel, as Jody mentioned here in his prayer this morning, Lord. We'd ask now that you'd be with us also as we study kind of these same things that are, that are being uh, um, fulfilled right before our eyes here in some cases. And so we would just ask that you'd bless the hour. We'd ask that you'd be with the evangelist here this morning, Lord. We're looking forward to this man's preaching. And um, we would ask that there would be some application in our lives with the Lord. Thank you, and we love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So just real quick also, uh, before I get started here, and, and, we're, and we're in good shape. Well, it's only seven minutes after 10, so I think we'll be able to get this done. The, uh, I have come today bearing gifts for you folks. Bribes, in other words. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, I mentioned a pretty good while ago that I was going to get you guys all a copy of that Case for Christ book, Lee Strobel book. And, you know, we tried ordering those things. And then I finally bought some books from uh, ChristianBooks.com, I think is the website. And, uh, of course, you know, they're not going to give your email address out to anybody, but they do. And so I get emails from everybody, and so I got this flyer out there, and it had those, those books. And so I was able to buy 18 of them, so there ought to be one for each person in the, you know, each couple at least in the, in the room there or something. So you'll see Patty afterwards if you can, 
if you can uh, uh, do that, just go. If you don't want a copy of it or you already have a copy or not interested in it, then that's your, your discretion on that. So anyway, they're available there, and um, I would, uh, I'd be happy to give them to you guys. It's a really cool book. Anyways, we'll get started here now. Judgment of the Old Testament saints. <clears throat> this is a judgment similar to the Bema Seat of Christ, but for those who believe in the hope to come and were before Christ. So everybody that was looking forward to the coming of Christ, um, that, uh, that's what this is talking about here. Remember the old man there? He had a vision or something, said, you're not going to die until you see the Savior. And he got the whole Jesus right there. What was, his, what was the guy's name? Simeon or something? Was, is, is that the right guy? I don't even remember the name of him. But anyway, as soon as he got the whole Jesus and looked into his face, he, he died here shortly after that. So he would be in this crowd of people here then. Daniel 12, uh, 2 through 3 says this, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many into righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So there's two different, two different situations there that are going to happen here with the Old Testament saints. And then the next thing here, um, number item Q, judgment of, another blank for you to fill out, tribulation saints. Again, this is similar to the judgment of the Bema Seed of Christ, but for those who were saved during the tribulation and after the rapture. So there are definitely going to be people that are going to be saved during the tribulation period. It used to be some people would say, you know, once the rapture happens, you're done. You, there's no hope for you. But that's just not the case. There's 144,000 witnesses. There's those couple of guys at the Wailing Wall, all this stuff. There is a bunch of things that are going to be going on during the tribulation period where there are going to be people that are going to come to know Christ as their Savior during that, uh, during that time. They'll finally get it. They'll see what's going on. The sad part of that, though, is there's going to be people that even during all of that trouble are still, going to, are still just going to turn away from God. They're going to join up on Satan's side of the equation. They're going to join up with the beast, and that's where they're going to end up with, and everybody knows what kind of end they're, they're in for there. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys or not. I may have. I tell people this story a lot, but it's interesting to, uh, to see just how people can get mad at God and shake their fist at God in, in times of really great trials that they're going through. There was years ago, due to some terrible weather that was basically around the entire planet, I suppose, um, there were a bunch of airplanes that ended up landing at the Canary Islands in a, in a town, Tenerife is where it was at. I don't know if you all would remember, but there were two Boeing 747s that crashed into one another there at that, at that place. It was the worst accident in aviation history. I think 590-some people lost their lives in that. Well, there was a fellow that lived through one of those things. He was in this inferno, the Pan American Airlines. It's a KLM airplane, took off without a clearance in a fog bank where you couldn't even see where you were going, and he took off right into a Pan Am airplane that was taxiing down a runway. And uh, it was just absolutely terrible. Well, this guy that lived through that wrote a book titled Terror at Tenerife. And he talks in that book about how people in there were just damning God right in the middle of this inferno. And you know, when I was reading through that, I thought, boy, if they think that that Jet A fire right now is hot, yeah. they don't know 
what they're in for. And so uh, people will turn against God. Even, even in times when they need him most, which we all do, uh, they'll, still, they'll still turn their back on him. And in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his, according to his works. Revelation 20, 4 through 6 says this, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had he received the mark upon their, fore, upon their foreheads, or in their hands, or they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be the priest of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So that whole mark of the beast, everybody kind of already knows about that and how that's going to come down. There's going to be some, during that period of time, people that, are, that do not take that mark. They're going to be terribly persecuted. They're not going to be able to buy, sell. They're going to have to operate in an underground operation a little bit. Which, right now, there are people out there that say, for Christian folks, just because of the way things are going in our country right now, it would not be a bad idea to kind of confine yourself to doing business with local people. Get to know them. If you need your eggs or something like that, you might buy them from a local farmer instead of relying on the big conglomerates that do it because there might be a day and age when people just sitting in this room because we profess the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior might not be able to go down to Brookshire's and buy an egg. I mean, that kind of stuff is coming along. So just some things to think about and stuff that, that uh, you know, uh, people are talking about right now in this, in this very day and age. So the judgment of the Old Testament saints, judgment of the tribulation saints, and now the next thing here is the judgment of Israel itself. This is the judgment of the nation and those who resided under the covenants and promises of God. They will be judged according to their faithfulness, is what the lesson plan here says. And that's very important to look at that because they're not getting judged by their works. They're getting judged by their faithfulness. We're, we, don't, we don't get any of this because of our works. We're not allowed to be boasting about what we're doing and walking in with our lapel saying, look what, look what I've done. It's a, uh, it's a, a matter of our faith, uh, faithfulness. Malachi 3:16 through 18 says this, Then they feared the Lord, spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels and will spare them, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not God. And boy, that's going to be a sad state of affairs if you've decided over the years that you're not interested in serving God and that this is all just a, a screwy thing that you're involved with or, or you never commit to it in the first place. You have a reckoning that you're, going to, that you're going to be involved with. Up here earlier in that sentence here, a couple times they talk about fearing God. They feared the Lord. 
And remember, we talk about this, and we don't mean that we fear God because we're trembling in our boots about what he might do to us. You know, he can think about it and knock us down dead, right? We fear God because we know our positional relationship with him, where he's at versus where we're at in this equation. And so just kind of keep these things in mind. Daniel 12, 1 says this, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even in that same time. And at that time the people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So I have a little, I have a little note here on this thing about this, and it concerns Ezekiel here in a minute, but it says, The wicked Israelites, notwithstanding they follow the sinful ways of other nations, shall not mingle with them in their prosperity, but shall be separated from them for destruction. There is no shaking of God's dominion, and those who will not yield the power of his grace shall sink under the power of his wrath. But not one of God's jewels shall be lost in the lumber of this world. He will bring the Jews to the land of Israel again, that's as promised, and will give them true repentance. True repentance, not play repentance, not pretend repentance. True repentance is what they're going to get. They will be overcome with his kindness. The more we know of God's holiness, the more we see the hateful nature of sin. Those who remain unaffected amidst, amidst means of grace and would live without Christ like the world around them may be sure it is the way to destruction. There's not going to be any question about this, and people are still going to be choosing the wrong side of, of, our, our, of our faith here. Ezekiel 20, 33 through 44 says this, As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will I rule over you. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. God's going God's to take care of the, he's going to pour his wrath out on, on this nation of Israel. He's going to pour his wrath out on the entire human population is what's really going to, is what's really going to happen. But Israel has a special place in this, in this pecking order here. And I will bring you out in the wilderness of the people, and there will I plead with you face to face, face to face conversation with you. Like I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. And we all know how well that went for them in the land of Egypt, right? That was kind of a, that was kind of a mess, and they, they finally wandered around out there and finally came to their, came to their senses. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter, enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, go ye, serve ye every one his idols, and hereafter also, if ye will not hearken unto me. But pollute ye my holy name no more with your gifts and with your idols. He doesn't want anything from them. He doesn't even want them given a, a, a concession or a concern that they are actually doing something for the true God when they've got all these other things that are in their lives and everything. All right. 
For in mine holy mountain, in the mountain of the height of Israel, saith the Lord God, there shall be all the house of Israel, all of them in the land that serve me, there will I accept them. All right, Malachi, I'm going to just forego the rest of that reading there because it's all just kind of the same thing. Here's what Israel's, here's what they did in the past, here's what they're going to do in the future, and then finally God pours out his blessings on Israel also and shows them the, shows them the way. And it's not at gunpoint either, by the way. He is doing that face-to-face, -face, talks to him, here's what's going to happen, here's how it's going to work, and you can still decide whether or not you're going to abide by this or not. Malachi 3, 2 through 6 says this, But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit at the refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in the former years. And I will come near to you in the judgment, and I will be swift." I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling of his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and the turn and turn and the turn aside from the stranger of his right and fear me not, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So that's interesting there where it talks about how he's going to do this swiftly. You know, last night we had occasion to be um, driving home from Houston, Texas last night. I think we got back about 2 o'clock this morning and um, went down there for my brother's 50th uh, wedding anniversary. And if we have time, I'll tell you a little story about what happened at that thing because it was really pretty cool. And, um, but anyways, I was listening to our old pastor from our church up in Cleveland, Ohio, Kevin Folger. Some of you guys might have heard his name. He's an evangelist. He goes around. He's uh, friends with the Websters. I don't know if you all ever, all ever knew of him or not. But uh, he did, I think, a 38-lesson series on the book of Revelation and all these things. And he was talking about how the... the occasion when you're reading through the book of Revelation, there's a lot of time passed. There's some times where, where there's even a quiet time in heaven for about a, a half hour or so. It talks about these things, but there's time when these different things. But he says when this is going to start happening, the Bible's pretty clear that it happens quickly. That there's not any like, hey, can you hold on just a minute until I get my house in order here? Nope, it's going to happen, and that's going to be that's going to be the end of it. There, so something is just kind of kind of came up here when I when I read this, and I will be swift about doing this. Judgment of the nations and Gentiles is your next underlined thing there. Those who existed during the time of the Babylonian captivity to the close of the tribulation. These are those people here. They will be judged according to their treatment of Jews during the tribulation. Proper treatment will be the result of a redeemed heart. Yeah, so some people are going to get a changed heart there, just like us. We accept Christ as our Savior. We become a new creature. All the old stuff is put away. Behold, all things become new and we're different. That's what's going to happen with these people during this, this tribulation. Individuals will be judged to determine who goes into the millennium. And in Joel 3, 1 through 3, and then 9 through 16 says this, For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, 
and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. And we all know Israel has been scattered all over the place. I mean, these Jews, they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere on the planet. But they're coming back. This is what's going on. And parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and given a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Make up the mighty men. Let all men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down. O Lord, let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit and judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get ye down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord shall also roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So God's coming to the rescue. We've got some stuff here down the road that uh, we're not going to be here to see any of it, but we can certainly look through the, through the Bible and because of knowledge about other aspects of the Bible that we can be very clear about, we can see, we can look and see what's going what's to go on here. Matthew 25, 31 through uh, 46 is kind of uh, where, where that all comes from here then, or some of that. And then uh, the next underline here is the millennium. This is the fulfillment of all covenants made to Israel. Christ will rule the world from Jerusalem in Israel. Israel will have the land, Abrahamic and Palestinian covenants, the kingdom and throne, Abrahamic and Davidic covenants, and the blessings, Abrahamic and the new covenants. The millennium is spiritually characterized by this. Now listen, listen to what this is, uh, what's going to be going on here with this. Righteousness. Boy, you got to love that. Matthew 25, 37 says this. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink. So this is when Jesus tells them, look, if you're doing this to anybody, if you're doing any of those things to me, do it to the least of my brothers, you've done it unto me. And they were asking, when have we ever done any of these things for you? Well, that's kind of a thing for us to consider. And as a matter of fact, we'll even be addressing this in the next uh, little series of Sunday School stuff. I think it's going to take about 15 weeks is what we're in for with a program on evangelism, witnessing, telling people about our faith, how we go about doing it. It will definitely be a class participation thing. Um, it'll be the, I'll be writing this all myself. I've got two books that I'm going to be teaching out of here with this. And what I'm, what I'm hopeful is that it will end up being something that will be fun, encouraging, and will help us go out and spread the, uh, the gospel around Bridgeport, Texas. But that right there, this Matthew 25, 37, what are you doing? If we do it to the people in Bridgeport, we're doing it to Jesus directly is, what, is how he looks at it. Here's the next thing. It's going to be characterized by obedience. Jeremiah 31, 33, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. 
After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Obedience. Holiness. Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. And a highway shall be there and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, through, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go, upon, go up thereupon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It'll be characterized by truth, Isaiah 10, 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as the escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. That's really cool. Gotta love truthfulness. Amen. I'm not always truthful. Sometimes I don't, I'm not exactly like I'm supposed to be. That, ought to surprise, that shouldn't surprise any of you folks. I've tried to be very transparent up here with, with, about my shortcomings and all that kind of stuff. But we've got somebody that can't tell a lie that, is right, that wrote this book and is telling us how things are going to be. We're going to be operating in truth. There's not going to be any ambiguity in any of that. That's really refreshing and reassuring. Fullness of the Holy Spirit, Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Conditions existing within the... Millennial. Millennial. And there's a whole list of them here. Peace, joy, holiness, glory, comfort. Don't you love to be comfortable? I like to be comfortable. Justice. Boy, don't you like that. We've talked about that in the past. We talked about a couple of times when you might have to go before a, a court of law in our country because maybe you've transgress the speed limit out there in Bridgeport by about three miles an hour and they'll pull you over and tell you all about that. I never got a ticket though. That was very nice of the guy. Anyways, uh, uh, justice, but you go before these, you don't want a crooked judge. You want somebody that operates within the confines of the law as they're spelled out. Our nation is a nation of law. It's, it's how, the, how the thing functions, but you want justice and that's what we're gonna have during this millennium. Full knowledge. Instruction, removal of the curse, sickness removed. How many of you folks would like to have sickness removed? Amen. Boy, everybody in the, see, we've had three people. You guys are liars. Everybody wants sickness removed. There's no question about that, right? Amen. I had a sore knee. I got a bad heart. I got an ear that doesn't work. I don't know. I got some aches and pains around and stuff. My brother and I talked about that momentarily last night about, boy, our bodies just get frail here. Healing of the deformed. Protection, freedom from oppression, no immaturity, no immaturity. That's interesting. I'm, I didn't even notice that when I read through this list while I was studying. No immaturity. Reproduction by living people will still take place. Labor, economic prosperity, increase of light, 
unified language, unified worship, manifest, manifest presence of God, fullness of the Spirit, unified worship. Well, wouldn't that be neat if we had that in America right now? And wouldn't it be neat if we had it in America with people like-minded like we are that are Bible-believing Christians that know and trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Think of what kind of, what kind of a nation we'd live in. That was what the nation was founded on. If you don't believe that, go out to Washington and see the stuff that's actually chiseled in stone out there that says, I don't know how they're going to get rid of that. They're going to have to tear all their buildings down and, and start from scratch. They'll probably try to do that one of these days. Anyways, Christ will rule with an iron rod. The 12 apostles will have authority over the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel will rule over the Gentiles. The church saints will have a part in governing the earth. That's us. Then the final revolt, Revelation 27 through 10. That's another one of your things there that you uh, put on your, on your blank thing, the final revolt. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Here we go again. And shall go out, into the, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is of the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. If you're in this room right now and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're in that crowd right there. Now, I doubt that there's anybody in this room like that, but you always want to say that because you don't know. You honestly don't know about people. I have seen people teaching a discipleship class already up in Cleveland, Ohio, that you're 15 lessons in and the person gets saved and they've been around that church for 20 years. I mean, it is, it's amazing how God does things. So you check. We don't have to get resaved, but and you don't you might need some assurance of your salvation. I've talked to people about that in this very church already and 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 people that I've known. But uh, um, once you're saved, you're saved. But boy, you better make sure we have that that aspect of this thing right. Sometimes when I do crazy stuff, I look and I go, wow, I wonder if I'm really committed to this faith or not. You know, it just can be questionable sometimes. Those born during the millennium reign will have to give outward obedience, but heart choice of Christ will be theirs to make. Many will reject and will accept Satan's call to arms against Christ. Boy, you're signing up for a... Count me in, I want to be in a battle against God Almighty. Yeah, that's a really bad decision. <laughs> I mean, I've made some bad decisions before, but I know I'm not going to make that decision. I decided against that decision April 12th of 1998, as a matter of fact. Next one here, judgment of Satan and his devils. That's another underline. Satan's judgment was sealed at the cross, but will finally be carried out after the final revolt. Yep, Jesus at the cross did away with all of this stuff. He said up there on that cross that it's finished, it's done, it's over with. We've got some work to do, though, and there's going to be this final thing here for Satan. Satan and his fallen angels would be cast into the lake of fire. 
Revelation 20.10 says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 12.3 and 4 says this, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the women, which were the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. There's a lot of stuff there in that, in that paragraph that you could spend six months meeting out exactly what that means and all the commentary about it and all this kind of stuff. Then we have the great, great white throne judgment. So that's your, that's your next one there, item Y. This is the judgment of all the lost throughout the ages. All those who rejected Christ will be judged. Well, the lost will be judged according to their own righteousness and would be found guilty and cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 12 through 15, and I saw the dead, small and great, there's nobody exempted from that, right? Pastor Folger last night when I was listening to this, it, you, can be any, you can be any level here. You can be the homeless guy that's walking around that's heard about Jesus but rejected it. Or you can be the President of the United States, most powerful person on this planet if you don't know Christ as your Savior. That pretty much is the small and great <laughs> margins here on that thing, right? They're going to stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Remember the story about Lazarus and the rich man? Well, there was a, I heard a friend of mine preach a message, and I heard Pastor Folger again last night when I was listening to the stuff driving home. He talked about that rich man, his name's not mentioned in there because God never knew him. He doesn't even know the name. We don't know the name. We're not privileged to that name of that guy. And, and so, uh, but we know about Lazarus. He was in Abraham's bosom. And, and so there you go. You're cast out of these things. If your, book's not, if your name's not written in the book of life, you're done with this. The next one here, item Z, lake of fire. I hope I'm not going too fast, but we've got a few pages left and we're running out of time here. Lake of fire. The lake of fire is different than hell. Hell was a holding place of torture, but the lake of fire is the final destination that is eternal. Revelation 19.20 says this, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. Those both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So that beast is going to be around, and he's going to be doing all kinds of stuff that are gonna, that are, that's designed to convince people that he really is the answer to all the troubles. Here, get that little mark on your forearm or your head or wherever they're going to put this thing and all your troubles are, are over with. But if you're a Bible reader and you're studying this and you know and you've sat under preaching and it tells you, don't take that mark. You don't want anything to do with it. If you do take that mark, you're going to be right in with the rest of these people that are going to be cast alive into this uh, lake of fire. Um, 
Revelation 20, 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I've got to remember here with all this, and this will be an objection that you get sometimes with people when you're witnessing to them. They'll sit there and say, well, if God is so good and he's so kind and he loves us and all that stuff, he would never put us in a hell like that. But boy, you've got to remember, God is holy. He can't let any sin, can't be upon it. He turned his back on his son because of the sin, you know. So God is, is holy. There's angels that sit there and just proclaim that in heaven constantly. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, forever and ever and ever and ever. They go on and say that he can't let any sin be, be present there. Judgment of present heaven and earth. That's your next little thing to fill in there. The present earth and heaven will be dissolved, destroyed completely, and a new heaven and earth will be created that will be one. Revelation 21.1 says this, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth before for the first. Heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. That's interesting. No more sea. There's not going to be any more oceans on this new heaven. I kind of wonder about that. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, there's some commentary about what that sea actually means when it's talked about in the Bible and everything. So that's probably why it's not going to be around in this new heaven and earth. Um, 2 Peter 3.10 speaks to, or I'm sorry, Matthew 24.35 says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. His word's been here forever and ever and ever and are going to be here forever and ever and ever. Word became flesh and dwelt among us for 30-some years right before they hanged him up on a cross and he ended up going back up to heaven there. Praise his holy name that he did that for us. Second Peter 3.10 says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So it would appear like the global warming folks are correct. This is all going to burn up one of these days. And uh, had an interesting talk with my brother about some of that stuff yesterday also. Double uh, A here, the eternal state. That's your next fill in the blank. The final item on God's timetable AA, back if you're looking at the timetable, that's the end of the road for us there in your page number 177. The final item on God's timetable, time becomes irrelevant and we enter an eternal state with God. That's an interesting thing. I heard a uh, preacher one time talking about, and he was talking about this, this issue of uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And his take on this whole thing about the timeline is, uh, was this, and you know, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know if the Bible says this, but it, I mean, you could reasonably go through and maybe, you know, extrapolate this or conclude it or something. But uh, if I drop dead right now, all of you guys would be in heaven right there with me right now. You're still on this earth. But because there's no time up there, you're, I'm already going to see you because there's not any there's not any timetable there. And when this guy was preaching this, I thought, wow, that kind of really makes, that kind of really makes sense because if you're not, if there's no clock up there to say that, 
you know, Jeff, you died on Sunday the 15th, but Gary, you don't die for six months from now. You'll be there six months from now, right? But it just looks to us like, you, like everybody was there all at the same time because we're not counting the time. And that was kind of the way this guy put this out there. Now that might be a little bit far-fetched, but it is something interesting to, to think about. You know? So I'll, I'll be glad to see y'all up there when I drop dead one of these days. And boy, if I didn't have unsaved family members, it, I wouldn't mind that happening right this second. Sorry, honey, but it's just true. Yeah, yeah. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. No timetable up there. In the eternal state, the new Jerusalem is a heavenly city. There is no temple for the Lord, and the Lamb are the temple of it. There shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. Righteousness shall dwell there. There shall in no wise enter into anything, into it anything that defileth. There will be no sea. Oh, here you go. It is suspended. The sea is a picture of the world system. That's why there's no sea there. I guess I missed that too last night when I was reading this, or this morning when I was reading it. There'll be no death. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no crying. If there are the tears, God says he wipes away any tears that there are. There'll be no pain. There'll be no night. And there'll be no curse. Revelation 22, 20 through 21 he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's it, folks. That's the end of the road. Amen. Thanks for listening for the last year and a half. So, or however long it's been. So here's what we're going to do next week. Next week I'm going to put this entire book all back together. And we're going, to have a, we're going to take the whole Sunday school hour next week, and we're just going to kind of recap everything that we went through. Now, that's, it's, it's going to be point by point, just to kind of give everybody a refresher. I know uh, without question that I have learned a ton of stuff about our Lord and Savior through this. I've learned a lot about the Bible through it. I have... Uh, I've learned how to study. I've developed an appetite for, for the Bible like, like I've never had. I might have mentioned that a couple of weeks ago or something. But that's all been a blessing. I was uh, very happy and quick to say yes when Pastor Pugh asked me if I would even teach this class. And then he handed me this book and says, here, good luck to you, you know. And, uh, boy, there was, there's things in it still that I just study and study and study and you still maybe not even may not even know the the uh, the whole story about it so anyhow i hope that the sunday school was a blessing to you folks and that you learned something Amen. there was very little feedback you guys or you if you better just make your mind up that starting two weeks from now that there's going to be feedback in the class because otherwise i'm just going to be sitting here saying Okay, I'm waiting for a question. I'm waiting for somebody to say something here and all that kind of stuff. I have just another minute or two here, so let me tell you this thing that happened at my brother's anniversary last night. He and his wife have been married for 50 years, which I can't even believe that he's been married. Well, I've got another brother who's been married for 51 years, so I guess I should have believed it. But anyhow, it's gone by quickly. There was a microphone passed around where you could say stuff. And normally I don't, I don't 
I'm actually a pretty shy person. I don't like to be in front of people talking, particularly people that I don't know or I don't have an agenda. But I was so going to tell. I don't. What's that now? Right, <laughs> right, yeah, touche, right. So, anyways, the uh, um, I was going to say before that congregation of people there last night was that I appreciate my brother because he was instrumental in leading us to Christ, telling us about Jesus and, and what have you. But then there was a guy that got the microphone right before me, a guy named Lucian. And uh, this guy gets up here, and I'll tell you what, when he started talking and he started quoting Bible verses, I sat in my chair like this, and I was thinking, okay, I want to hear about a half-hour sermon from this guy. He was a very energetic black man, all right? Now, don't say that to be racist, but black people have a way with the Lord. I, I just... I personally, I think there's going to be more black people in heaven than white people. I, I, I just, I, I, I love him. And this boy, he starts talking and preaching, and his wife's there, and they're older folks, and he's going on and on and on. And he says this right here. He says, everybody can quote this scripture right here. Now, remember, we're at a 50th anniversary here, right? He says, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands and unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. And he says... Look, everybody can quote that. Men want to have their wives under their thumb, right? But even though that's not what that has anything to do with, right? Then he says, but you read down here, the other part of this equation is what the men are supposed to do. And we learned all about this in respect and respect and, and that. Remember, we did that class, all right? Men, love your wives. And then the very last thing that it says here is it says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as to himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And he looked at my brother and sister-in-law and said, Pat and Cindy, you guys have been a perfect example of that in our lives. And I was like, wow, I can't go up there and say anything after that man just got done saying that. It was a beautiful thing. And you know what went right through my mind? Remember a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week, I talked about the ladies in this church and how instrumental you can be with another young lady. There was that girl that walked into the church and told the pastor, um, I'm pretty certain I'm not a Christian. But later on, she came back and says, I'm a Christian now. And she came and talked about how these four women in that church took her under her wing and they lived out the gospel. That's what my brother and his sister or his wife, I mean, do in the way they run. They're, they're committed Christians and have been for years and years and years, and that whole thing is a very interesting story in my family, and maybe sometime we'll talk about that in the next uh, Sunday school. So does anybody have any questions about anything? If you do, we're out of time, so you can't ask the question. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I had great fun teaching this class. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us here. We'd ask now that you'd be with the, the evangelist here this morning, Lord. Give him liberty as he comes to our pulpit here this morning. We love you, praise you, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.